I hope you guys like that. Uh, one of the Koch brothers spent like a half a million dollars in organ harvesting profits to make it. So we're back. Welcome to Prince Andrew's Playhouse. <laughs> I feel honored to perform in the setting of the 19th century uh, Little St. James. Like, look at this place. Come on. You know, you know what they were doing. Naked you know babies. what they were up to in here. Naked babies everywhere. Updated it with a disco ball just to keep it au courant. Okay, it is 8.18. If anyone had 8.18 p.m. for Matt's first pedophilia conspiracy reference, you have won the Matt pool for the evening. Uh, we're back. We, of course, were last here six months ago as part of our European tour. And uh, we thought we had solved all of your politics then. So we're a bit pissed that we've got to come back. Because, uh, you know, when I'm up at uh, 6 in the morning in New York time doing normal, you know, guy stuff, uh, I, you know, I log on to Twitter and I'm seeing all, all the, the, the Guardian columnists and the, the new statesman writers uh, talking about something called Brexit, which, again, you know, that's, that's not a thing. That's Wait a minute. Not I, 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 this whole time I thought that was a breakfast cereal. Uh, but first an introduction, of course, we are Chapel Trap House, or most of it. We are, we are, we are uh, the, by, by EU regulations, the minimum 60%. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's quite yeah. a Chapo Trap House. I'm Virgil, this is Amber, and this is Matt. Hello. Hi. Um, this is so nice. I feel like our last London gigs were, I want to say Londoners are chilly. We'll say not warm. Damp. Damp people. There's a lot of soft golf clapping. Uh, now, sadly, Felix Biederman could not be with us. He's legally barred from the country. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, when he, when he, Scotland. When, yeah, exactly. When he didn't pay that fine for throwing the cigarette in the street in Glasgow, they put out an ASBO for him. <laughs> they brought it back just for him. And Will Meneker could not be with, with us. He's... Uh, He's actually just back at the hotel. He was sleeping. And we all thought he looked so peaceful and nobody wanted to wake him. So you get us, the good ones. Yes. Yeah. Good ones. And we're here because uh, we made a deal amongst ourselves to come back in the event of an election if the Tory government fell, which it finally mercifully did. Uh, but this morning we went to an interesting part of London. Uh, we, of course, did foreign elections interference and went canvassing for Labour. Yes. I will say we were bad at it, and I think we actually Terrible. lost the votes. I was good at it. You were good. Amber was good. Amber I, was good. I definitely, there are like negative three votes in that constituency <laughs> right now because of me personally. <laughs> Uh, no, we were at uh, Hackney. No. No. Yeah, what was what is it? What is it? it it's one of the Jack funnier Jack. ones. Jack. It's not Dorking. It's the other one. <laughs> no, that's you. What? That's you. No, I'm not it's Dorking. You. It's the it's other you. one. It's you. It ends where in, you're from. It ends in I-N. <laughs> no. No. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> Whatever they said. That's it. Yo, what the, Whatever that. it is. It's a place full of people who look like they wanted to murder me at every moment. We're in Dagenham, which is really great because uh, it's um, post-industrial. There used to be a Ford plant there. So for Matt and I, it was like going home. 
Yeah. It was uh, miserable, and uh, yeah, and manufacturing, uh, the, it's, the absence of manufacturing was felt greatly. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of labor voters there, so it was good. Oh, uh, yeah, and it occurred, it's had for the past you know, 15 years or so a labor MP, at least. Same mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't, I didn't want to oh, impose myself you know, in, the, in the process, but what I noticed is that like, when I hear Americans say like, kind of dumb politics stuff, I kind of like, just like, wash it off because they sound like Americans. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're a dumbass, whatever. Yeah, they sound like idiots, and, and crucially, most of them also know they're idiots. Yeah, yeah they don't care. That's they think that's cool. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm dumb, to be and fair, I still get to vote, your own. To be fair... It is cool. It is cool. It's We're like, hey, than you. I'm a fucking moron, and my vote counts as much as yours. Yeah. How's that feel? Enjoy reading all those books, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but when a British person says something that's just as dumb, but they're saying it in a British accent, so it's like there's like there's there's this like sense of they're saying like, oh no, I actually know what I'm talking about. It's like you fucking do not know what you're talking about. You are. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. You're a moron. But I'm in your country and you sound smarter than me, so there's nothing I can do. And they're also so confident and cocky about saying a stupid thing. That's the equivalent of what any big goat MAGA idiot would say. Yeah. Very frustrating. All my people were love me and love me. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, no, Matt, uh, so uh, we went out with... Uh, um, uh, Willie Howard. We went out with... Good Willie. labor man from Unite the Union. And uh, 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 Matt and him went out, and like, you, had a, you had one good interaction, yeah? Yeah, with him, yeah. yeah we, we talked to somebody who was like sort of an old labor voter who was on the fence because Cor- they don't, they're worried about Corbyn, you know, due to propaganda or whatever. Uh, and watching him, like, spin it, it was very impressive. Like, oh, there's, there's a person who knows how to talk to people. And I felt was very inspired that those people exist, because if, if, oh yeah, no, the, he's, he's the only people yeah. trying if the only people trying to like make the world less shitty were me, it would be completely <laughs> fucked. We would be completely fucked because normal people would be like, "Who is this screaming asshole telling me that I'm a moron?" And it's like I could do that on I could do that on a podcast where you have to click a button to listen to. But I sure as shit can't do that knocking on your front door. That's an entirely different vibe. And, like, you would be, honestly, in any country, legally, it would be okay for you to murder me if I was doing We would have negative votes every election. Well, Willie is also Irish, uh, which I think he has a cultural advantage for, like, you know, the crack and whatnot, which is weird, because you'd think they'd be able to translate that to doing better by their own country. Uh, But then Matt and I went out, and we had... (laughs) I don't know what any of that meant, so... (laughs) Uh, Matt and I went out. Uh, we we knocked on a door, and there was uh, uh, you know a, a nice uh, uh, older woman, a pensioner <laughs> there, and uh, she said she has uh, voted for Labour her entire life, but she will not do it this time. And it's like, all right, time for us to step yeah, up. Yeah, it's like, all right, here's where here's so where we shine. We don't really have a script. Election and- squad. <laughs> Our job is political persuasion. Engage. We we didn't, we don't have a script, and we had we did not prepare for this at all. We don't even know who the candidate is. <laughs> and- you knew who the candidate was. You just didn't know anything about him. So I asked, uh, uh, ma'am, well, well, what are your concerns? And she said, you know, the leader, I don't like him. Yeah. And I said, uh, well, uh, what, what don't you like about him? She said, well, I don't like him. 
And I realized that anything I would say to rebut this, that is in my nature to say, would just be begging the question and saying, well, yeah, but let me, well, what if I told you this, uh, that he's good? <laughs> uh, and then I would, you know, if that didn't work, I would move on to, come on. <laughs> Uh, so, then, so then I pivoted and I, I said, um, you know, what about the NHS? You know, that's a good thing. That is a lifelong labor voter you recognize the importance of. And now the Tories are going to dismantle it and make it like, you know, my health system. Uh, and she said, no, I don't, I don't believe Boris will dismantle it. He said he wouldn't. <laughs> and again, at this point, the only thing I can possibly say is, okay, but ma'am, uh, Boris will do that. <laughs> If not him, then Boris, fine. He, it doesn't matter what he promises, because two days after taking office, he can step down and let another psycho take yeah. over who gave zero promises. No, I just imagine him being like, we did it, blokes. We did, we did the Brexit. We, made it, we got it done. And then he goes and he spins a cocoon and just becomes a disgusting, glistening chrysalis. And then Jacob Rees-Mogg bursts forth and says, congratulations, enjoy the NHS, brought to you by MasterCard. <laughs> I did get a similar person who's like, I voted for labor my whole life. I've always supported labor, but not this time because Jeremy Corbyn. I was like, You were like inspired by Tony Blair? <laughs> like, you were like, Yeah, I'm on board. Like, well, but I, I didn't ask. I was like, All right. I mean, for someone like that, though, you know, okay, why is the question? Like, why don't you like him in particular? And is, this, is it just all just a media invention? Because, like, you know, obviously all the papers are against him, and even the New Statesman wouldn't endorse Labour. Well, yeah, because of the anti-Semitism. The thing that's real. (laughs) (laughs) The not-made-up thing that we all know is very real that you have to care about. Mm -hmm. But people repeat it, you know, just like, oh, Jezo, he's an anti-Semite. It's just like they're they're saying, you know, uh, it's what plants crave. It's like there's no meaning behind that. Beneath the surface of those words, yeah. there is absolutely nothing there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think most people believe it, though. Like, I, I really think they don't. I think there's, like, you know, like 10 people who actually believe it who are completely insane. Um, and then a bunch of disingenuous bad actors. And then a bunch of people who are, like, I'm too tired to argue about this anymore. Well, I mean, the people who really believe it are opinion columnists. The problem is, apparently, one-third of the British population are opinion columnists. You guys, it, this is what deindustrialization did to your country. You just I'm gave sorry. them all fucking Guardian columns? That's horrible. I'm sorry. So you Boris know what? Johnson... Open up the coal mines again. It's less toxic for the universe than the fucking Guardian. The fact that the current Prime Minister started out as a fucking opinion columnist, that is sick shit. That is sicker than anything Prince Andrew did. It's like, we have a bunch of awful columnists. The idea of any of them running for dog catcher would be hilarious. Like, David Brooks shaking hands, like, trying to deep throat a corn dog at the Iowa State Fair. (laughs) Meanwhile, you got some fucking asshole writing columns, and now he's a goddamn prime minister? Oh, and the columns he wrote. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Let's let's get to our special boy. Chris, do the honors. There he is. Look at the He's guy. He's so photogenic. He's a ref- yeah. mini fridge with a wig on it. Everyone's mini. favorite big sticky baby. I gotta say though, this yes, is- there he is, our boy Matt. Yes, this just gives me bad flashbacks of when I went platinum. And this is a reason why we love him, and he'll be prime minister until his heart explodes in 2027. 
he protect. <laughs> he attack, but more importantly, he snack. He Always does, and forever. He does love treats so much. He but does. He, but like many politicians, doesn't know how to eat like a normal person. No, none of them yeah. do. Uh, no, my main thing about Orsjas is I just look at him. I'm like, if I were to meet him, he would just be sticky like a baby. <laughs> like he would have like a fucking lollipop in his hair, and his hands would just be covered in chocolate. Yeah, jam hands is yeah. the word for it. Like, okay, yeah. that's, good that's, example. That's a piece of candy. Yeah, that's, that's can- not a cigar. That's not a fucking. That, that's, not, that's not a cigar like a boss. That's a fucking piece of candy. He's a big baby. Look at him. He loves Look at treats. Look big baby. He loves, he loves treats and racism. Those yeah. are his two favorite things. I just imagine when him and Trump met at the G7 that they just did one of those mirror bits. <laughs> you know, like, just doing the same thing. So it you must have been eerie. I, like, we were talking about this. I really don't think... I think Trump... Like, if you said, well, how was the G7? He's like, it was great. You know, I saw the leaders. I saw, I saw Merkel. I saw Macron. I saw Trudeau. And then there was a big mirror, and there was this guy. And there was this giant mirror, and I, just, I said, hello. And he was like, hello back. It was delightful. You also have your utterly improbable, misogynistic, racist, prime minute leader, executive. Yeah. Now, forgive me if this, is, if this is old hat for you, but it is totally new for us that in the mid-2000s, Boris Johnson published a fiction novel. Okay. You know, do you know about this? I mean, this you, well, you've all read it, obviously. And I explained to them that, like, this is a weird thing that, like, retired British politicians do, is that they, like, write these Romanic loves that are, like, very thinly veiled, like, fan fiction about themselves. All the time. You ask if they've read it. I mean, obviously, when he became prime minister, they enacted a law that required all British citizens to read it on penalty of paddling. Yeah. Helen Mirren did the audiobook. Yeah. I kind of assume that, like, most British prisons, like, punishment sentences involve being paddled. <laughs> like, a, like a boarding school. The book was called 72 Virgins, subtitle A Comedy of Errors. I'm glad That's that they put that. Literary. I'm glad they reminded me that it was a comedy, so I would remember to laugh. And uh, here is the the plot description from Wikipedia: The President of the United States plans to visit the Palace of Westminster. A Lebanese-born terrorist aims to assassinate him. Oh Rod- no, that'd be terrible. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh no. <laughs> I'm concerned. I sure hope that doesn't happen. Who will stop Stop it. We're not recording this. It's fine. I'm now hearing we are recording this. Parody, parody. In the game. In the game, parody. We were so worried that we would get kicked out of this country, and now we're worried we're not going to be able to go back home. A Lebanese-born terrorist seems to assassinate him. Roger Barlow. A hapless bicycle riding, tousled haired MP. Oh, <laughs> uh, the tousled hair. Remind you of something? I, I love that even in a book where he's writing an idealized fantasy version of himself, he's still hapless. Yeah. Jim <laughs> shit moron. MP who doesn't know how to get a haircut. 
aims to foil the attack in order to distract from a scandal involving his financial entanglement in a lingerie shop called Eulalie. Wait a minute. So you're saying that the scandal is that he is investing in a lingerie shop? Yeah. I think he's so this takes the place in 1852, right? Well, the, uh, no. yeah, this is a, a scandalous sex farce. So this takes yeah. place in like the 1840s. Yeah. Like when? It, what? Like why would that be scandalous? I don't know. Uh, because he's a... sniffing bloomers <laughs> in the fucking like. Uh, he it could also not take place in the 1840s because Lebanon was not a country in the 1840s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I did not get a copy of the book, uh, but it was surprisingly yourself. difficult to find. Uh, but and also, I would not have like actually read it just for you. But you know, fortunately, everyone, uh, a bunch of other journalists read it and got mad at it. Uh, the parts that uh, we should actually be laughing about. Uh, and I'm going to read for the two of you uh, a couple quotes from the book. Okay. <clears throat> uh, this is from uh, someone named Marina Hyde. Just posted these. Sex between two characters is described as the man, quote, doing that wonderful thing to her again. (laughs) Paying her student loans. (laughs) Uh, Description of the the lucky lady getting it done to her. Quote, she was looking, this may sound crude, but it is no less than the truth, like a lingerie model, only cleverer, and, if anything, with bigger breasts. <laughs> that line is just, uh, so, uh, you know, she's like a hot chick, but uh, hotter. Hotter, hotter yeah. than a hot chick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, like, a fucking, a fucking Felix nephew talking about fucking Kate Upton has more class and the pros magic than that. Well, like, she was hot. Like, mean... imagine a hot chick, but, like, okay, yeah. You know what a hot chick looks like? Okay. Hotter than that. But also... But also... Smarter. Mad smart. Smarter. So she was, like, wearing a barrister's wig? Yes. She had a, she had a graduation cap, a, cue, a skew on her head, like a fucking owl in a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, how many licks does it take? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that's not a thing here. Sorry. Uh, that, okay. that's, that's, that's blue. That's blue. Uh, uh, last quote. Another character is described the following. Quote, An alpha male, so alpha, he'd have been awarded... I mean, honestly, Felix should read this in a nephew voice. <laughs> you know, he's like an alpha male, but he's so alpha. He'd have been awarded a congratulatory first by the examiners in advanced virility. <laughs> it gets better. He simply had the right stuff exploding from every orifice. In fact, I have had the right stuff exploding from every orifice, and it is not sexy at all. (laughs) There's something alpha about it, I'll tell you. Also, anything exploding from certain orifices is, by its very definition, not the right stuff. (laughs) No, if it's the right stuff, you are just choosing which orifice for it to come out of. It should not be coming out of. And it should not be. Nothing good is coming out of all of your orifices at once. That's your body's, like, pulling the fire alarm. I think, I think he means pores. Yes, those are orifices. <laughs> Imagine that. The right stuff shooting out of every orifice. Yeah, but by the use of the word, I just, I just don't know how you people get away with tricking us into 
thinking you're smart just because you talk like that. Like, <laughs> it is one of the world's you're most so diabolical science. Yeah, I've canvassed there, I've canvassed here, and I've canvassed in America, and yeah, it's the same dumb people everywhere. Yeah. But the ones All over the print, world, basically. But the ones people print, are people. Who they're are just like, know. oh, I know what I'm talking about. I, just, I would love to go to a flat earth meeting in Britain. Just all these guys like, well, you know, uh, you go to the, you go to the, the, the horizon and there's no curve. Yeah, see, it's just, it's, they're cocking about being wrong. Yeah. Because so when, Ameri- when Americans are wrong, if, like, if, like, if America was, like, really dumb political beings who's, like, confident and, like, an a- co- uh, cocky about them, you're just like, oh, that guy's an asshole. But the vast majority of people are like, uh, yeah, but, you know, what if Saddam nukes us with one of his nukes? Yeah. I don't know. Like, they just like, I don't, yeah, they, I don't they, know. They, they don't they have a lot of... There's some humility. Yeah, there's a humility, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. We, we, we missed the last sentence on that. In fact, he simply had the right stuff exploding from every orifice. In fact, his machismo was so intense, he was sometimes considered a danger to himself. I mean, that checks out. I'm I just imagining him, like, in a fucking werewolf movie going into a police station, like, lock me up. My machismo is too intense. I don't know what'll happen. Uh, brilliant novelist. Uh, look, I, 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 you, you, you know him. Man. Seventy-two virgins. Are we talking about the Lib Dems? Uh. <laughs> there are seventy-two Lib Dems. <laughs> Damn, that's it. Dunk in the night already. <laughs> All right, see you, see, you, see you in six months, everyone. Bye. <laughs> uh, look, you all know about Boris. Uh, you know, you're, you're all going to vote he's for him cool. Thursday. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, we love he's him. a greasy, sticky, jam hands monster. He's bad. Yeah. I, he, the thing about Boris was that I've seen him in public with, like, his, the hair and, the, like, the mini fridge physique and his sticky hands reaching out from his hunched shoulders. I just imagined a giant governess running behind him to grab him away from running into traffic. But like, but like, just bigger, a giant than, bigger than him, like, yes, like fourteen feet tall, fourteen foot tall governess, <laughs> preventing him from getting just plastered by a double decker bus. Just the world's largest going. baby prime minister. <laughs> okay, that's Boris. Unless, unless there's another damn thing you want to say about him, because I think uh, novelist cool. sums it up. He's a thought. He's yeah. a hog. Yeah. He's the tire hoe, and he's he thick. can get it. He's thick. He can get it all day. Yeah, he's low-key kind of nutty with it. Yeah. We all know that. Uh, but, you know, he, he uh, is now, you know, he's facing a vigorous challenge from one uh, file not found, Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn. <laughs> They can keep beating up the time. It's fine. Oh, yeah. That's like chemotherapy to me. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I think Amber amply summed up Jeremy Corbyn in uh, our most recent episode, released earlier this afternoon. Uh, Corbyn, good. That's it. That's all you <laughs> need to know. He's good. That's it. Uh, if you go I also, to- however, said the best Jeremy Corbyn speech is one where you forget that he's a vegetarian. So, be a little tougher. He could be a little tougher. A little bit of, little bit of iron in the blood. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to close out the first half of our show with a quick little reading series. Uh, what if Jeremy Corbyn were bad? It's, it's just try. Just try to imagine. 
This was in the Sunday Times by Tom Bauer. Do you know Tom Bauer? Oh, okay, yeah. I forgot. I mean, again, I there forgot. He is. I They're forgot. Like fucking Pokemon. Yeah. How many of these goddamn motherfuckers do you people have? You have thirty million pundits. We literally. All right, this is, we have a country of three hundred twenty million people. There are maybe five opinion columns. <laughs> yeah, because you see our Twitter and you see us get mad at the same five assholes every damn week. There like, are, uh, I'm going to ballpark it, uh, 500 people in the United Kingdom and 300 of them write for some goddamn newspaper. This we get mad. And one of them is a fucking prime minister. We this get, is why labor needs an industrial policy. Put those people to work. Put them to work. Put these damn people to work. Because we, you see us. Open bitch. the mines. Open the fucking puddling vats. <laughs> and get, put them to work. Put, put them to work in tanneries if we have to. It's more dignified. No, you like that, that, like reading British tabloids is when I have the most sympathy for Bao and the Cultural Revolution. <laughs> Send these motherfuckers down to the countryside. Have them fucking have them harvest some sorghum or something. Do a fucking do an actual like productive job for five minutes of your fucking life before you tell everybody else what to fucking do. Said the podcaster. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's my current no, it's job. It's fine, though. It's fine. I have fully admitted this multiple times. When the party takes over and they're like, I'm sorry, you don't get to do that anymore. You do have to pick up garbage 20 hours a week. I'll be like, fine, fair. Yeah, fair. I, I, no. I'll take that No, hit. our lives should not exist. We are very yeah, upset no, about that. The job should be abolished, obviously. Yeah. We are a joke. I, I mean, actually, we're enjoying I'll say it. Is, don't get us uh, wrong. 10 hours of picking up garbage, maybe? Is that 20? It is a dangerous job, so it should, you know, the actual hours you work should be less. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like five minutes picking up garbage. If you work in an office, you should, if you work in an office with like a nice cushy job, you should work, you know, 30, 35 hours a week. If you work a difficult, dangerous job like sanitation, yeah, like 10 10 minutes. I'll do sanitation, yeah. It's fine. Uh, I used to have a real job, but literally none of these people have ever worked. It's astounding. No, they've never had jobs. Not for a minute of their life. For a literal second, they've never had an actual boss. Yeah. For their for a fucking minute of their life, they've never had a boss who they weren't in Little St. James with. <laughs> Which is really so mutually assured destruction. Like, exactly. Are they really, your boss. Yeah, it's like, is that really your boss? If you watched him eat a fucking kid's pineal gland off a toothpick, <laughs> maybe Chris should play a cash register noise every time Matt dips into the pedo conspiracy talk. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a wacko talking about pedo conspiracies. <laughs> We're fucking, in the motherland. The fucking, the, I, I'm crazy. I, oh, look at all that talking about pedo conspiracies. What do you have a fucking? You have the goddamn son of the queen on television going like, yeah, I couldn't. That couldn't have been me. I can't sweat yeah, because of the faultlets. I got the PT. I got that special PTSD where you can't sweat. By the way, uh, I cured it and now I can sweat. <laughs> to be fair, that was like the one thing where I was like, I don't know, they're also in bread lizards. They probably can't sweat. It checks out. I kind of believe him. He did right, not, he did not, sweat. He did not have the right stuff exploding out of every orb. <laughs> no, <he's not. laughs> right, no. I absolutely believe, I 100% believe that there is an unspoken wizard like, child yeah. in a basement who cannot sweat. And is, yeah. uh, there's like an army of, uh, of, of servants spraying them with bottles. Yeah. Of water to keep them hydrated so they don't die. I he believe that exists. Salt water, yeah. but none of them are like I can't sweat for this 
specific period of time no. and then the sweat had kicked learned, back in. That's not sweat. a fucking thing. <laughs> Seriously. I get it. You can't, you can't go in there and just get rid of the monarchy now. But when, when Gibbo, when Gibbo is finally proven correct, how the fuck are you going to be like, okay, the queen is dead. We're going to now spend, what, 500 million pounds to put a hat on one of her inbred, monstrous, pedophile children? you got to be just be like, no, we're putting our foot down. This ends now. This is the yeah. end of all of this nonsense. They are assembling a gallows outside. <laughs> yeah, the barrister is here. Matt is going to be in the stocks yes. by the end of this. If you, if you guys want to pelt me with tomatoes, it's, it's, five, it's uh, 25 pence. Hit me in the ass with a tomato. All right, let's go to the article. Tom Bauer, Sunday Times. Headline, in number 10, the coup completes. Jeremy Corby, oh, Jeremy Corbyn's mask will fall. Mm. Poor opinion polls in a car crash TV interview have not depressed Jeremy Corbyn. On the contrary, after 50 years campaigning for a socialist state, he is astonished by his own success. Through an obstinate unwillingness to compromise, he and a small group of lifelong comrades are still going for broke. To fulfill Shadow Chancellor John McDonald's ambition of, quote, an irreversible shift of wealth and power, to, and transform Britain into a Marxist society. Uh, McDonald, McDonald, that stop, bulldog. Stop, stop, don't, don't. Don't say it if you don't mean it. <laughs> after, a lifetime, after a lifetime of agitation, countless demonstrations and conspiracies forged in innumerable meetings, Corbyn and his cabal believe that in two weeks they might be in Downing Street, an ambition that just four years ago was beyond their wildest dreams. Desperate Remainers, eager for a hung parliament to deliver a second referendum, failed to grasp how their reliance on Corbyn as a temporary prime minister could rebound upon them. Corbyn and McDonald will conjure any pretext to enter Downing Street, offering unlimited promises to secure the support of the Lib Dems and the Scots Nationalists. Once inside, any institutional shackles would disappear. <laughs> Within hours, unrestrained by parliament or law, mm. Corbyn Corbin and McDonald would strip away their masks <laughs> and use executive powers to neutralize opposition from unsympathetic civil servants, oh, judges, quangocrats, and military officers. Ooh. By the way, I just told them what a quango was and they lost their mind. It took, it was like a solid half an hour. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers. It's hard somebody, to explain because some, we don't really have them. Yes, the reason we don't have them is because somebody in Britain said, hey, we want to do a quango. And you're like, oh, that sounds lovely. Let's do a quango. Let's celebrate with the cold netto. Meanwhile, the U United States, you said, we're doing quangos. They'd be like, you're having a stroke right now. <laughs> Quango. Both be, a, be adults. Stop this. Quango. Both by dismissal of foes and the appointment of their supporters to key positions, they would execute a bloodless coup. Oh, yeah. Those Lib Dem supporters. Oh, not a bloodless coup. Yeah. <laughs> Those Lib Dem supporters. That's kind supporters, of a bummer, honestly. That's killing my buzz. Such as the Times columnist Matthew Paris, who are desperate for a second referendum and reassuringly quote the bulwark of Britain's institutions as protection against a Marxist coup, misunderstand the ruthlessness 
of those mm. dedicated to the dictatorship of Ooh, the proletariat. Oh, yeah. oh, I fucking wish. No authority can restrict Corbyn's powers as prime minister mm. to purge Whitehall. With the yeah. backing of the Unite leader, Len McCluskey. And he McCluskey! Any establishment attempt to sabotage the government would be crushed by strikes Ooh. and follow a blueprint outlined by oh, Lenin. Cool. Oh, God Don't damn it. Don't threaten me with a good this time. This is too much. God damn it. I'm enjoying myself too much on this. Keep going. Impaired by his own lackluster ambitions and limited education, he had scraped through two A-levels and failed a third. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry. We don't even know I'm very sorry that he can't follow the August tradition where you had one prime minister who fucked a pig and then another prime minister who is the pig that he fucked. <laughs> he, he never, wait a minute, he never burned a hundred-pound note in front of a homeless person? Fuck that guy. Yeah, it all comes down to grades and grooming for these people. Uh, grooming in both senses of the word. <laughs> Seriously, if you just... All you guys would really need to do to clear the house, forget the election. Just bring Chris Hansen over here. <laughs> just, just do like a limited series to catch a predator on BBC Two. And in a month, every one of these guys, from the fucking cabinet to the parliament to the fucking opinion columns, would be in prison. Yeah. Some guy dressed like a bush would jump out and fucking tackle him to the ground. <laughs> in- Seriously, how do you have a fucking entire government pedophiles? <laughs> Very carefully. Impaired by... <laughs> Impaired by his own Not lackluster... Not that even carefully, though. It's kind of an open secret. Yeah. Impaired by his own lackluster ambitions, limited education, he dreamt of a socialist paradise to empower losers like himself. Yeah, same, honestly. Again, don't threaten me with a good time. On hey, his return, if you want to be a winner, you got to figure out which vagina to fall out of. Thank you very much. On his return to <laughs> or Britain... Or which pig to fall into. Indeed. He joined the Labor Party and in 1972 attended a Young Socialist Weekend organized by Trotskyists. In that unfashionable seaside town, Corbyn learned of Lenin's advice to his British followers. Support the Labor Party as the rope supports the hanged man. His ambition was to infiltrate labor, get elected as an MP, take power, and destroy capitalism. Mm. I wish a motherfucker would. Recall Jane Chapman, his first wife. Jeremy was a Trotskyist, no doubt about it. Okay, finally a negative thing. Okay, now now we got a problem. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Corbin's battlefield in the 1970s was Herringi. Yeah. Wait a minute, what is no, it? No, 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 oh, no, no. no. I, let, Just do that. Yeah, yeah, just we're not that. learning. Wait, wait, wait. What? No, I don't know what that is. we're not going to learn, and you can't make us. <laughs> no, I want to know. What the fuck does that mean? Oh, that's just an area in North London. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where he upset residents by encouraging squatters and allowing gypsies to live in local parks. Uh, are you guys seriously still saying that? <laughs> I said, that's a, that's a not nice word where I'm from. For most Britons, it was a wretched decade, but for Corbyn, it was a magnificent roller coaster. Endless strikes, harsh devaluation, and crippling interest rates almost tipped capitalism into an existential crisis. Employed by the National Union of Public Employees, he repeatedly organized strikes of council workers against local authorities. How dare he! Yeah. <laughs> 
Simultaneously, as the leader of uh, Heringe's left-wing counselors, he agitated for industrial I democracy. I have no idea what the hell it is. Industrial democracy, mass nationalization, and the confiscation of private wealth. Yeah. In the, as, an, as the leader of his local labor party in Hortonsey, he orchestrated the purge of social democrats to turn his constituency into a communist outpost. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is terrible. I'm so outraged. I'm so mad right now. I'm so pissed. I'm really angry. I'm very annoyed at all of this stuff. It doesn't sound cool at all. The risk desperate remainers must consider is whether they can just Corbin not to repeat the 1981 takeover. And the SNP and Lib Dems believe it, believe that if, after an indecisive election, he emerges as the leader of minority government with the promise to stage a referendum in three months, he will honor his pledge? Or will Corbin endlessly delay while the Marxists consolidated their rule? (laughs) That sounds cool. I'm, I'm enjoying all of this so far. Bring it home. Over the past few months, Corbin and McDonald have conjured an image of benign visionaries, the grandfather and the bank manager, to diffuse fears of a labor government. The reality is that even if they fail on December 12th, Corbin and his successors will resume their struggle the next day in the conviction that eventually the red flag will flutter over Downing Street. And once inside, and once inside, no power will ever remove them. Oh, no. Oh, no. I sure hope that doesn't happen. And I certainly... It would also be terrible if then the, the, the red government of Westminster was to, I don't know, launch a drone strike on Washington, D.C. That would also... That would be horrible, and I would not support it at all. Except in every way that I would so, think it was awesome. Uh, Matt, we have to so, go home. Parody in the game. In the game. In the game, parody. So, parody. as you can see, not all the, the coverage of Jazz in the Times is negative. Yeah. Yeah, no. If, if if you don't if you don't need if you don't need a towel at the end of that uh, that article, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it's going to be fun backstage, isn't yeah. it? We have three days left. The left all over the world are looking to you, including us. Don't fuck this up because this is our favorite sport. Give it everything you've got. Just one final push. Just, just do it. Just imagine, like a year from now. triumphalist because we're all Debbie Downers but you could really do it and Honestly, if you do you it then our hellhole country could maybe do it so just as a personal favor yeah. could you not let your country descend into hell Yeah. like 16 months from now just imagine uh, fucking Jeremy Corbett and Bernie Sanders like appointing the next heads of like the IMF and the World Bank <laughs> I imagine what that whole. Imagine if you will. I, I do believe I have the vapors. Oh, imagine if you will, Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders meet as the leaders. I imagine it all the time, the, and it's beautiful. Just fucking yeah, just looking longingly in each other's eyes and sharing a passionate kiss at the G7. You can imagine things like this and many others at fanfiction.net/user/virtualtexas. Uh, we All will right. take a 20-minute break yeah. uh, for you to uh, go to the lab. Pop to the loo. Yeah, mm. take the piss. Take all yeah, the piss. Yeah, but you say take the, have the piss. Take all the piss, Have it. And, uh, As the will... Guardian would say, piss is free. Then we will be back with a very, very special guest whom you're all going to love. 
So, see you then. Bye-bye. I did that on purpose. It was a bit. That was irony. That was 100% irony. I'd say, wouldn't it be funny if I looked like a stumbling dipshit? And it was. It was entirely intentional. And thank you. Yes. Alpha mindset. Take a fucking page out of my book. Okay. uh, Oh, my. What's this extra chair and microphone that just materialized? I think we should fill it. What do you think, gang? Uh, uh, no, sorry, no, it's not Jez, but uh, instead you get, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, 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 give a warm London welcome for star, star of screen and tweets, Rob Delaney. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Great to see you guys. <laughs> and all of you here. Bush Hall. Uh, Rob was recently in a viral video made in support of the labor campaign. That was a, a deeply moving emotional video that should have shocked all of you fuckers <laughs> into giving Jez 60% in the fucking polls in any normal civilization. Uh, so, about the NHS... I, I, would you guys mind a little story time? Okay. So I have very bad hearing. Uh, my hearing in my left ear is very bad. My hearing in my right ear is very bad. And How bad is it? <laughs> I will take you out back. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's normally not a problem except when there's like a lot of like background noise so like a pub or a busy street the two places where I live or if I am for example um, you know on stage and a bunch of people are laughing at my hilarious jokes and applauding my greatness so so well uh, to, to be fair I can usually hear Matt I will say. But, you know, Virgil has the dulcet tones of a little songbird. Oh, thank you. Uh, So I decided before this tour, I said, this is the tour that I'm going to be able to hear the show I'm doing. Uh, So I went to go get a hearing test. And they're like, oh, you're very deaf. And so this, and way, I, this whole time you've gone without that thing that you absolutely need to do these shows. I don't really need to listen to you. To do this show. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, I've got very bad hearing because uh, I was I was in punk bands because I'm I'm much cooler than all of you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I went for a hearing test, uh, which cost two hundred dollars, and uh, they're like, "You're very deaf." That's upwards of. Uh... 25 pounds? <laughs> or, 
or twenty five hundred. I don't, we don't know. know I think any that's, of the exchange rates. That, that's seventeen comma yeah. three hundred euro. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how many shillings it is. Yeah, it's tuppence to. Tuppence. I don't. I don't. Pay pennies. How many pennies? Tuppence. <laughs> so um, I got the hearing test. She's like, you're very deaf. Uh, it would probably be good if you got two hearing aids because your ears work together, which is inspiring and should inspire us all. Um, she's like, but you could probably get away with one because you're really mostly deaf in just one ear. And I'm like, well, it's a work expense. My work is going to pay for it. I'll just fucking get both of them. How much do you think two hearing aids cost? By the way, Chapo has good insurance, which means it's shit. How much do you think that costs? $600. You were closest without going under. <laughs> so, uh... Then what are you fuckers say 10 pounds? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I said, I'll just... I'll, I'll take the one, please. <laughs> I'll take the one here again. However, in addition to how much it costs, you have to go through billing, which is uh, a process that often takes more time than the actual medical care that you receive in America. So I get there, and I try to pay. Oh, by the way, I went to get fitted for a hearing aid when I was very hungover. I wore um, a big Patagonia jacket, which is what I call my subway pervert jacket. Um, uh, Doc Martens, last night's hair and makeup, reeked of smoke. Um, I looked, I didn't look homeless, because homeless people can look all manner of ways. I looked the way um, a really bad casting director would tell you to dress if you wanted to look homeless for a bad movie. Mm -hmm. Very hungover. And uh, I said, okay, uh, I would like to pay for my one hearing aid because I would have to get this, you know, expensed or whatever. And they rejected my card because they were like, this is over your daily spending limit. Okay, that's probably Well, a good that can't idea. be right, though, because a doctor prescribed it. It wouldn't, <laughs> sensibly, it would override that. One would in a, think in a, healthy a medical device. And the bank was like, no, 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 you couldn't possibly want to spend this much money. And I'm like, no, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm deaf, motherfucker. I, I actually, I do, I do need to spend the money. And I tried to call the bank, and they were like, no, 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 no. And so, in my, in my uh, hangover ensemble, I, I had a very smart idea. And I leaned over to the receptionist at the audiology clinic, and I said, um, okay, so... Could I have my assistant come in and bring a check and pay for it, looking the way I did? <laughs> I don't have my voicemail set up. I certainly don't have an assistant. <laughs> and she, I sold it, though. And she was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But then this narc <laughs> peeped around the corner and was like, oh, yeah, uh, like, we can keep it behind the counter, and then your assistant come in, leave the check, and then he can pick up. I like that he did assume my assistant was a he. That's very feminist of him. <laughs> he can pick up the hearing aid, and I was like, fuck, I was so close. And I had to fly out the next day. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll just tell my assistant to do that. And then the phone rang, and the receptionist turned around, so I picked up the bag with the hearing aid, and I confidently walked out the door. 
Of all the crimes I have committed, stealing a hearing aid is the least cool or sexy crime I have ever committed. You also, I gotta say, you're probably not gonna get in trouble because you hear about all the billing nightmares and stuff in America. They probably forget. Yeah, they're not. They're gonna be like, oh, but I'd have to pick up the phone to call a person. Fuck it. Right. So genuinely, I did mail them a check, but technically, I stole a hearing aid, like a really nerdy cat burglar. <laughs> and afterwards, though, I was terrified. By the way, on the way out, I passed... It's an audiology clinic, so it's full of a lot of elderly people. It's in Bay Ridge, so it's like a very Polish area. And there was this very, very very old... (laughs) There was this very old Polish woman who didn't speak any English and needed a translator. And I swear to God, as I just confidently walked out, hoping no one noticed me, she just goes... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I was terrified, and so I went to an alley called a cab, was hiding behind a dumpster, looking like a cartoon version of a homeless person, and I texted my friend uh, Willie Howard, who, who is the, the, the union man, the good labor man, who hooked us up with the, with the canvassing. And I was like, Willie, meanwhile, in America, I just stole a hearing aid. And without skipping a beat, he said, top form, serves him right, the deaf cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so not only was his immediate assumption that I had robbed a hearing impaired man of his medical device, he immediately gave full-throated, unqualified support for the theft. And then I had to explain to him, no, Willie, I'm the deaf cunt. <laughs> what I'm getting at here is you have got to protect your NHS, otherwise you're going to be a deaf cunt stealing hearing aids. (laughs) (laughs) To reiterate, we have health care. We pay for our own health insurance. We have pretty good insurance, which doesn't cover hearing aids. Which doesn't cover a hell of a lot of things. And where we have a concept of a deductible where you have to spend out of pocket a certain amount of money before the healthcare that you spend a lot of money for each month kicks in and before they start to cover things. This, I sound like a crazy person. I know that now. It is so hard to under, describe, explain these concepts where I don't, I barely understand them. And if I barely understand them, what chance does everyone else have? <laughs> So this is, uh, this is your future, the Tories win. <laughs> I yeah, know no. the NHS has a lot of problems, but I feel, like, I feel like Europeans and British people especially do this false modesty thing where they're like, oh, you don't understand, like, there's a lot of problems with the NHS and the grass is always greener. No, the grass is clearly fucking greener over here. And you can lay some new sod if you really just go out there and go for it this next election season. Well, that's the, I think what ha- the mistake people make is that they're upset because whatever, their pancreas hurts or their finger got torn off. Yeah. So they're upset, <laughs> right? So they're upset. And it's what they upsetting. do is they overlay that on the people that are trying to help them. And they're like, well, you know, okay, fine. They fixed it for free, but they, they fixed it by sewing up the hole where my finger should be. Or they put a cream on my pancreas. I'm angry. i got to be angry at somebody. I'll be angry at these people. Right. And it's misdirected because the thing is, is you're never, no you're never going to be happy. That's not what this is about. 
People aren't, you need people to get over that right now. People aren't happy in the UK. People aren't happy in the US because our bodies are rotting. They're falling apart <laughs> by design. But the thing is, is here, you're not, you don't have that magnified with the financial stress that we have. Like, if you get sick in America, you immediately, like, okay, say you break your knee, okay? What happens is you break your knee and then you realize, oh, shit, this is going to need medical attention. You immediately, <laughs> you immediately get incredible diarrhea, hot, <laughs> bubbly diarrhea from the fear of what you're going to have to deal with when you talk to your insurance company. Because it's going to be a nightmare on top of a nightmare. Already, you got knee ingredients hanging out of the skin, right? <laughs> then you got to deal with somebody who's going to be like, Ooh, I don't know, have you met your $5,000 deductible for the year? After you've met that, then we'll give you the right to pay $30 copay to see your doctor, who you'll then get a bill for a minimum of 20% of the price of whatever it was. And that price is so fucking inflated. That's why we get so angry at people like Joe Swinson or Pete Buttigieg. Because it's better oh. to have... It's, no, seriously. Because it's, it's easy. Have you ever seen them in the same room together? No, no I haven't. But Because here's the thing. It's easier to have like Boris Johnson be like, fuck you, go die in a ditch, than to have somebody be like, here's a patchwork system that you need an abacus and a supercomputer to fucking understand, and then it'll suck anyway. Or there are people who'd be like, yeah, hey, we'll do our best to fix it. That's fucking the Labor Party. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. You know, no promises, but we'll give it a shot. And then you won't have to kill yourself because of medical debt. I gotta anyway. just say, <laughs> if... It really is, like, of the top three things that, like, Great Britain has given the world, which is, like, Shakespeare, David Attenborough documentaries, the NHS is, like, honestly a beacon for the rest of us. Oh, yeah. And, if the, and I can hear you. And I know you know this. If the stories win. Like, day two, Boris says, oh, yeah, when I said I wasn't going to privatize the NHS, whoops. Yeah, yeah. And there will be, uh, you, will, you will kick out every Polish person, and they will be replaced by little Mayor Pete's, little McKinsey <laughs> workers here who will crawl around all of your hospitals and doctors' offices and nursing homes uh, with a fucking measuring tape uh, to figure out what they're going to be able to fucking sell off to American private equity firms. Coming, coming and it starts the, out with, but are you really that sick? Coming to the UK uh, from the United States during an election season and trying to explain the reality of American healthcare to them, it feels like if you were a time traveler who appeared in I don't know, late 19th century Austria and tried to murk a baby that was being held in the hands of a woman and the entire village is saying, what are you doing? You're trying to kill this delightful little baby. And you're just saying, no, this baby's going to kill like half the people in Europe. We have to stop him. And everyone's like, you're fucking crazy. This guy's trying to kill a baby. Because you don't believe us when you, we tell you how bad it is. Quite bad. No, no. All of our mini mayor Pete's, all of our, all of the McKinsey psychos oh God, are eyeing up your island. Like into them, uh, it looks like a big, delicious porterhouse steak. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. it's like they're on the because fucking... you are a very sickly people. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> the, the, the consultants they look across the pond and they see the United Kingdom, and it's like one of those cartoons about people trapped on a desert island where they just see a big rotating. 
fucking chicken on a spit. <laughs> and they're just like, they do the cartoon lip of the lips. So they're like, oh, we got to get some of that. Look, oh my God. Are they deep frying candy bars? <laughs> we got to get in on this shit. We have a massive economic sector, perhaps up to a fifth of our country, literally based on human misery. Can you imagine if we were to be able to monetize the munchie box? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, because the population of the, of, uh, what is the population of the UK? England is like 60-something million. The UK in total? There's like five people in Wales. 65 yeah, yeah. for all of... For all it's of like UK, people okay. nine uh, nine right. Scotsmen dying so of a like heart attack. One fifth or so of the population yeah. of the United States, and uh, that one fifth, uh, there's no negotiation for drug prices, right? Yeah, that's I fucked mean, that's up. just insane. What the you hell? Know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even, as an American, I'm like, wait a minute, do I like the NHS? I should really take advantage of that. That's an arbitrage opportunity. Here's the thing: I'll tell you guys a secret, and the fucking British fucking media won't tell you this. So, <laughs> uh, get the cash register noise ready. Leaving uh, close, this, nothing, this is nothing to do with pedophilia conspiracies. Although, if you want more answers about those, please DM me. Uh, no, DM Virgil. All right. So, so both parties, both parties are have agreed because Americans pay an insane amount for uh, drugs, specifically uh, pharmaceuticals, just out the ass for pharmaceuticals in a way that is not sustainable. Like. Everyone is going to basically be, you know, like debt peons paying off fucking pharmaceutical debt if it keeps going the way it is. And so, of course, there is the left answer to that, which is, well, just fucking publicize this shit. Like, you know, get rid of the fucking profit motive. It's fine. Like, the, 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 uh, fucking private, private uh, research does not make uh, drug uh, developments. It's all done through the Natural uh, Institute of Health. You know, that's where actual breakthroughs that help people's lives happen. The fucking... Research that pharmaceutical companies do is how can we make Viagra in a way that won't get us sued? Like, that's what American pharmaceutical companies do. Like, how do we knock off an existing product in a way that it can keep us, like, free of, meta- of, uh, of uh, like, legal interference? Yeah, or how do we, like, add a half an isotope that'll allow us to make some crazy ironclad patent that nobody else will be able to use it for 11 years to exactly. make the drug work any better? Exactly. My favorite thing is when I realized that I had been on a birth control that was never legal in any other country. <laughs> <laughs> but America's like, yeah, just rush it through. Fuck it. I think those I was are... like, I remember, like, asking for it. I was like, oh, I'm on this. And they're like, oh, we do not sell that anymore and they're like why I was like why and they're like because you get pregnant on it <laughs> it's like Those, damn you had one job the, that might have been Pez <laughs> uh, but so well, the left answer of the United States the Bernie answer is to fucking public, nationalize this shit easy but the conservative answer the right wing answer and like most Republic, Democratic Party answer is well, now the problem isn't that the Americans pay too much for pharmaceuticals. It's that the rest of the world pays too little. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is it. It's that because, like, the way it works is that America, because of its insane system, you know, of, of, of privatized everything, means that, you know, if there's, a, if there's a new blockbuster drug, they can charge out the ass uh, in the U.S. and people will either pay it or they'll have an insurance company pay it because if they don't, they'll die, and people would pay anything not to die, obviously. But other countries, you know, have uh, government health care that requires them to, ne- that allows them to negotiate lower prices. And so the argument on the right in America is 
well, these fucking countries are freeloading off of our innovation. And the answer to high drug prices in America is to break the government cartel in other countries and make them pay more. Yeah. And the then we really can lower the prices in the United States. Wait, so wait, wait, that's wait, literally it. Wait. The only answer they have for high drug prices in America, other than Bernie, is destroy government's ability to negotiate in other countries and make those people, what, uh, i.e. Uh, you motherfuckers, pay more for it. Hang on so we can pay less. Hang on a are you So are you saying that if Boris Johnson wins Thursday, we will pay less yeah. as Americans <laughs> for a yeah. drug... I do have an update wait, about what wait. we just told you about canvassing. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Actually, Fuck some that other constituencies yeah. you need to go don't to. Worry where about it. Uh, he likes treats. Yeah, where the blue team—they're uh, kind of behind right now. You know, blue like you know Democrats, blue. Yeah, same deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's drive the point home. Uh, I'm sure you all saw the video earlier today, uh, Matt. You, you could explain. Yeah, the viral video of Boris. Uh, the big B, uh, the man, the big sticky baby. BJ. Uh, being confronted with evidence of a child being forced to sleep on coats in a closet in the Leeds hospital, responding by taking the picture on the phone and putting it in his pocket. <laughs> now, once again, this journalist went up to Boris Johnson and demanded answers. Sir, have you seen what happened to my coat? <laughs> and that's how your leader responds. I just love the idea that, like, your prime minister is essentially a wrestling heel. <laughs> just, like, wiping his ass with a fucking beach towel with your kid's face on it. <laughs> and you're like, hey, this guy tells it like it is. My kid kind of sucks. I want to drive the point home with a little mini reading series. You're all familiar with GoFundMe, yes? Yeah, yeah you know, uh, it's, it's where, uh, you know, uh, sad sacks and losers... Uh, They'd uh, ask uh, money for to stay alive, whatever. Uh, well, I mean, in, in normal countries, it's used for like, hey, we're, we're trying to create a DIY uh, space to do uh, music shows. Awful, don't invest in that. But, uh, you know, oh, I, I'm, trying to do, I'm trying to do a ja- uh, like acid jazz seven-inch record. Do not invest in that. But in America, GoFundMe is used for people to not die. That's the number one reason that GoFundMe exists in the United States, is to prevent being killed by the health insurance companies. So with that in mind, uh, this was just posted to the GoFundMe fundraising tips blog. Title, Six Cancer Fundraising Tips to Help You Raise More Money. A BuzzFeed listicle. Fucking seven memes to help your daughter get fucking platelets for her... For her silly leukemia. <laughs> what I love about I this picture... I like, sexy gifts. Oh what I love about God. this is, look at that picture. Everyone's so fucking happy. They're saying to you, hey, guess which one of us has cancer? <laughs> and when you're done guessing, uh, by the way, we need $500,000. Uh, let's go this one. I'll <laughs> go through this one pretty quickly. Number one, find an advocate. Creating and managing a fundraiser takes time and energy, especially if you're dying of cancer, of course. <laughs> In fact, you will receive the most support by sharing your fundraiser frequently and creatively with your community. We know it can be a challenge to focus on other tasks while in treatment. <laughs> so this is when a fundraising team a comes tired. into play. Yeah, hey, British people, I know there's nothing you guys love more than asking strangers for a favor. You guys love imposing on other people. That's your favorite thing as British people. 
Uh, number two, be transparent about your financial needs. While some financial help for cancer patients comes from the government and organizations. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> parody, parody. <laughs> in the game, in the game, not real. It's rarely enough to cover all expenses, no fucking shit. It can be tough to ask for help, but listing all of your expenses will give your donors an understanding of your financial situation and why you've chosen your fundraising goal. Don't forget to account for any out-of-pocket medical expenses when setting your fundraising goal. Make sure you give up all sense of privacy and dignity whatsoever. Otherwise, you are not getting that cash. Yeah. It's like, hey, we got uh, bad news and good news. Bad news is uh, you have uh, cancer. The good news is... uh, don't you love going on the internet like widening your asshole for everyone you've ever met? <laughs> Number three, write a compelling fundraiser story. Your written fundraiser story is critical to fundraising success. And It'll they lo- say liberal arts degrees are useless. <laughs> People love it when you're clear and honest, so try to answer these questions when crafting your story. One, how will these funds help you? Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Two, what treatments will you be going you through? You guys love that shit. British people <laughs> revealing vulnerabilities to strangers? It's your favorite thing. Just weaken You guys your... love that shit. You're going to have a great time. Just soften your upper lip. Two, what treatments will you be going through? In parentheses, chemo, surgery, clinical trials, etc. Yeah. Number three, what are the expected costs of everything? You can even include photos of medical bills. If you're feeling, hang on, hang on. If you're feeling creative, why not come up with a catchy hashtag to use in your fundraiser? A hashtag makes it easy for your supporters to follow your story on social media. I just want to pause and say, I don't remember the number, but wasn't it like a billion dollars? Yeah. Went through GoFundMe to pay for people's fucking medicals. Like it is actually currently, this is being integrated like into our medical system. We would have had like a revolution by now if fucking... GoFundMe did not exist. I'm it's honestly still true. stuck on the phrase, if you're feeling creative. Yeah, I'm not really feeling creative. I'm yeah. pretty worn out from help holding my son's hand as he goes through his 18th fucking chemo. I, so I feel like I'm in hell right now as I, as I hear this described. I, some of you may know my son died of cancer last year. And when I think, I mean, if anybody even tangentially associated with uh, GoFundMe, other than a beneficiary of, a, of one of their fundings, uh, were to meet me, they'd be in real physical danger. Um, I really wish them ill. Uh, I, I think about... Um, this, this is the latest... This is the latest disruption. This is the latest tech disruption of healthcare. Yeah. Parenthetically, by the way, one of those people uh, involved in the, like, the, the top leadership of GoFundMe is former Obama administration official Dan Pfeiffer... Uh, of God, of Pod Save America, which there's nothing I hate more than that fucking show, and it has nothing to do with the content, although obviously the content is terrible. It is that, it is a pun on a non-existent phrase. God Save America has something that no one has ever said no, in God history. That's your shit. There's God You're the ones who want God to save your weird, yeah. decrepit, inbred German weirdo with a fucking planner on her head. Why would you waste a, a, a request of God okay. to preserve the life of one of these 
literal reptiles. Okay, I I, re- I respect your literary objections, but I real think I really think maybe the bigger crime is lowering people's standards for uh, social democratic reform. That's bad. I agree. They did a very bad job. The, the Obama administration was a, he's, a monstrous con job on America. But at the same time, God save America is not a thing. No one has ever said it. You can't make a pun on a thing that no one has ever said. That's not a pun. <laughs> Plus, God hears that request and is like, I think I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look no. at us. We have been forsaken. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if I scared you, but we literally came from hell. And uh, I know, Rob, you had uh, one last thing to say. Oh, yeah, about what is needed in the About the, yes. the NHS, yeah. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, my ask. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so I... I uh, if you're able to, and you guys look pretty able-bodied, and you're here at this, so there's thoughts, there's pods, you have you, have you have free time. If you want to be a fucking superstar, uh, the most useful thing you can do to help deliver a labor labor victory would be on Wednesday night to take a coach up to Birmingham, so that Thursday morning you can take a coach from Birmingham out to marginals and campaign. That I have that word from up on high. And that's where people are most needed. So if it's at all possible, I, I want it, it's not a short little link. It's fucking long as hell. So my, my pinned tweet on Twitter.com at, at Rob Delaney is where you can get a ticket, and you can get one for free, to get on a bus up to Birmingham Wednesday night, spend the night. I don't, I don't know about where you do that. And then Thursday. <laughs> where, don't are very sleep. friendly. And, uh, but that would be massively useful. And I'm telling you this because if you're, if you're listening to this later, I'm looking into a sea of thousands of people who have come to this show. <laughs> so it just that would be an action that you could take. You could translate your passion into action by <laughs> Wednesday night, taking a bus with some cool people, spending the night at a travel lodge or a premiere inn. And then, or your cousin Gary's, Gary from Birmingham, you love him. And, uh, and then the next day, going out to Marginal. That would be a massive, wonderful action that you guys here could take. So please consider that seriously. One last push. One last push could make a huge difference. It's like a fucking Coke machine. You need to fucking push that motherfucker, but you just give it one more shove and the motherfucker falls right over. Oh, it's definitely different here. They definitely have some weird exactly. aggravating, you were all vexing thinking that. thing. Yes. He just said it. It's called like the mechanical oriental gentleman or something. <laughs> and you answer a riddle and it gives you a soda. <laughs> uh, let's change gears here and talk about something that if you are a foreign person who listens to our show, you also have a perverse obsession with, yeah, why do you which do is that? the American presidential election. How could you not, though? Come on. We got some amazing, an amazing cast of characters assembled. We've got the Terminator, uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, we've got a precious, our precious boy, Bernie Sanders. Uh, May a thousand years of glorious socialist grandpa's reign. And we have, like, you would pay a, a haypenny in like the late nineteenth century to go to a village fair. And go into a tent to watch the amazing melting-brained man known as Joseph Robinette Biden. You're watching a man's brain fall apart in real time. 
How often do you get that fucking privilege? Now, we know that you British people love your oh-so-clever panel shows, uh, where you do uh, very witty games and the banter is all very top, isn't it? They love the bants. So, uh, I put together a game for everyone on stage. So, you might be familiar with Joe Biden, who's Obama's vice president, and... He, he, probably, and he was also he was a senator for seventy one years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been a senator since the uh, Honestly, Civil he War. He looks great. I, 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 that was a that was a silly exaggeration, but the real number. Does anybody know it? It's like forty one. No, it's years. insanely long. He was elected. He was elected the senator. He was actually elected before he was eligible to serve in the Senate. He was elected as a thirty four year old, but it was okay because like the interval between his election and his uh, swearing in. He turned, oh yeah, yeah, he turned 30. Uh, but it was like 1970 or something. Uh, also, uh, he's known for having signed the Declaration of Independence with an X. Yeah, interesting fact. <laughs> interesting fact uh, Biden did serve in the War of 1812, or as you call it, the colonies dust up. Oh, but then also, for people who don't know, he, the state that he represented as a senator was Delaware. Delaware, all Delaware is, is three skies, uh, no, maybe five, because three credit card companies and then like two credit score companies. Yes. That's all it is. It, Delaware is as big as this stage, and it's just a fucking shelter for, it's for credit shelter. card companies. Oh, 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 it's oh. our island. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's, like, it's like somebody took one of those like Caribbean islands, like one of the Cayman Islands, and just like dragged Dropped it up it to the fucking mid-Atlantic and just yes. lashed it to the side of Pennsylvania. And he was, and to be fair, he was a fucking amazing senator for those credit card companies. Yeah, he did a great job. <laughs> really he killed it. Really quick aside, do you all have credit reporting agencies here? Credit scores and things like that. Okay, so you also live in hell. Got it. Good. All right. So we're, you and I, we're not so alike. Uh, we're not so different. I just love it when people like look at like stories from China and they're like, oh my God, they've introduced social credit. What a horrifying Orwellian nightmare. Meanwhile, oh no, my credit score went down 15 points because I paid my bill. And now I can't take out a loan to not die. Okay, here's the game. Here's the game. You all know. You all know who Joe Biden we is. We all know and love him. Our 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 big soupy brained boy. And you know, you know, you all uh, are aware. I'm sure that he said some rather odd things in public in a campaign setting. He that- likes to wool gather in front of people w- uh, while speaking into a microphone recorded by millions. These are things that uh, uh, they don't make sense. They I got it. I'm good. You're good. They don't make sense in the context of a political speech or just normal speech, like something you would not like call an ambulance if your uh, grandfather just started talking like that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a short clip of a Joe Biden uh, senior moment. <laughs> and the challenge for our panelists is to invent a context either just before or just after, where that makes sense. We can call it... This will be hard. And we like, can we call have, it, why did Joe say that? <laughs> why did Joe say that? And uh, we've not practiced this. We might fail, because this might actually be impossible. But let's no, give it the old... this is Kobayashi Maru-ass <laughs> test here. Let's give it the old college try. What do you say, Rob? Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's get the first clip. 1.2 billion. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store, in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the, run, run, 
brings out the carts on, 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 a, on a forklift. What happened? Okay. I, I have an idea. I have an idea. He's got, like in uh, Gulliver's Travels or something, he's stumbled upon a world where everybody's a giant and he has to feed them somehow. So 1.2 billion cans of spaghetti sauce, you got to stack them, but he's getting nervous because the giants are approaching. They're hungry. So he starts to stutter a little bit. That's what I think it is. Pretty good. That's better than mine. I was just thinking, like, Italian-American outreach. <laughs> uh, I mean, the thing with the forklift, maybe he's, like, trying to get on to the Andrew Yang automation train. You know, it's like, they got the forklift going, and you, you don't have, you don't have, to, you got to watch the forklift, so there's nothing for you to do, and you got to just stand there and watch the forklift go. So I love the forklift. You're stacking the spaghetti, so $1,000 a month? I don't know. I smell toast. <laughs> I mean, to Joe Biden, a forklift is the most complex computer he can possibly oh, yeah. imagine. Uh, yeah, no, he calls it the, uh, the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Let's go to number two. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn... Uh, uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so I learned about roaches I learned about kids jumping on my lap Jesus and I love kids jumping on my lap and I tell you what <laughs> I tell you what <laughs> I tell you what uh, 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 ending to come let me consult my writers. Okay, why did Joe say that? Why did Joe say that? I mean, for me, everybody I can see in the background here is black. So I think what he is saying is that if black people rub him, he will change into a color that gradually will allow him to become like them and then be understood by them. You know, he's going to help me transform into right. something that can be understood. Like a genie. By the power of touch, rub me into yeah. something that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, like the Will Smith genie in the Aladdin remake. <laughs> yes. Another masterpiece. Absolutely. Guy Ritchie directed Guy that. Guy Ritchie directed that! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I honestly just got caught on the... Why was he talking about his hairy legs? I, uh... National Organization for Women? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, I thought this was going to be... When I saw this, I thought it was going to be the one where he talked about uh, corn pop. Oh, wait, pop. no, 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 give it away. Corn pop. No, we didn't do the oh, no, corn pop. We didn't do corn pop. We didn't I'm getting unexpected with it. Okay, we're not doing that no, one. we didn't yeah. do corn pop because it's too long. The corn <laughs> pop <laughs> thing is like five minutes. That was actually one of the most difficult parts of this is finding a short Joe Biden story because he's such a Grandpa Simpson that you just can't... So amazing, but the best thing to do for Joe Biden is to surround him with black people because he wants to relate to them, but he has to go back into like the 1960s, which was the last time that ever voluntarily talked to them. (laughs) So he just gets so weird and says the funniest things. He gets real excited. Yeah, at least he's way more visibly comfortable around black people than Pete Buttigieg is. (laughs) That's true. Pete Buttigieg, who is mentally counting the silverware, even if it's not his house. Well, yeah, but that's because when Mayor Pete sees black people in America, he's imagining some sort of, like, terrifying 80s gang from a fucking later Death Wish sequel. But when Joe 
Biden sees black people, he's imagining a doo-wop group in leather jackets singing about their uh, best girl. He, he, uh, all the people, everyone here, every single one of their fathers, he asked if they were the Temptations. <laughs> uh, Matt, did you have an answer? Why did Joe Biden say that? Uh, I think the hairy legs thing is he's trying to slow roll an eventual reveal that he is Bigfoot. <laughs> Uh, clip three, please, Chris. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. You don't hear that in MSNBC. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look, okay, I'm not going to get an argument with you, man. Well, yeah, you do, but uh, look, fat. Look, here's the Look, fat. Any other questions? So, so by the way, by the way, we did use this clip on an episode, and I wanted us to call the episode after the famous Dick and Jane series, Look, Fat, Look, See, Fat, Look, (laughs) Run, Fat, Look, but that no one got it. It's just a little too... I would have backed you up on it. That's a good idea. Thank you. Uh, Um, Okay, here's here's my pitch. Um, Look, Fat, he's talking about... Cutting the fat out of the federal budget. Yeah, they love to... Senators particularly, they're always like, cut the pork out of the thing. Yep. Yeah, they're very meat-oriented. Um, I just think this was just like a... This was just a family reunion for him. That was, that was his cousin. The thing where he challenged the guy to a fucking uh, push-up contest. I mean, just endorsing physical fitness. I mean... The president's... Uh, He's remember? trying to be the new Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, healthy, yeah. healthy living. Yeah. Like, everybody... Hey, everybody. Uh, every week, instead of, you know, like, a president's address on the radio, I'm going to go on TV and we're all going to do a push-up contest. And we're all going to be ripped as shit within a year. And then you won't need health care. Because you're going to have <laughs> six-pack abs. That's the only thing I can understand. Because, honestly, otherwise, his brain is melting. And clearly, that can't be true. I think maybe he was thinking back to the first other video, and he was like, look, Fats, Domino's the best pianist around. What do you say we throw him on the old gramophone? I'm 90. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. He is considered a presidential frontrunner. God, I kind of want to see it, though. I really would like to see a debate between him and Trump. I don't want him to be the president, I don't know if you're but I would love it. to see them just talk past each other for 90 minutes and just like Trump is talking about how uh, like Anna Wintour was very nasty to him at the Vanity Fair party for the Oscars in 1985. Oh my God, she was wearing a white outfit. Disgusting. Go home, honey. You look like a dog. <laughs> Meanwhile, totally obliviously, Biden's like, you know, root beer used to taste better. <laughs> When you tell someone root beer tasted better back in the day, they're like, well, 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 why would that be? But I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you, the root beer, it was, it was fresher. I don't know. I, I, Look, I, fat. I, I don't know what that means, but, but I'm, I'm swearing to God, I'm a, 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 a stack of my, the root beer was delicious, and now, 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 now I might as well be Mr. Pip. Yeah. Honestly, if Biden said to Trump's face, look fat, that, 
might actually start the next civil war that everyone's been talking about. Like, that's just, like, immediately just uh, posters go up in every town saying, we need men with guns. Okay, Bring so Ber- Bernie obviously wanted to get the nomination, wanted to get the presidency, but no matter what happens, I want at least two seats on The View replaced with Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden. Oh. Because I would watch that show... Every day until I, I died. Watch it. I would just until have, I died. I, it would be the Levitico technique. I would just be staring at that. Uh, I believe we have two more clips. I could be wrong. Don't know. Don't really remember a lot right now. Let's go to this one. Here we go. Play the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the make sure the kids hear words. Make sure. Make sure. You got to remember this. Last thing she said there was, make sure the kids hear words. All right, what does that mean? What does Joe Biden mean when he says, let make sure I, I, the kids I, okay. hear words? So this is like in Alien, before they put you in a pod and send you off for a 30-year journey in ice, it, they need to do some neuro-linguistic programming on children that will are going to go and populate the Pete Buttigieg McKinsey moon where you do your mining and so Biden is prepping them by just making sure that they are, have uh, some dream ingredients for the long journey. <laughs> so just with word, doesn't matter what they are, because yeah. they'll have plenty of time to assemble them. In yeah, their... they just need some sort of stimulus yeah. to like cohere into an identity for thirty years. Right. Yeah. I think maybe he just saw one of those PBS documentaries on feral children raised by wolves, <laughs> and he's really concerned. And frankly, this is his most serious and dedicated policy recommendation. And I think we should applaud him for it. Kids should hear words. They should. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... On it's... the gramophone. <laughs> well, 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 you got to do is you got to get the cylinder uh, out. And you got to... The, the Edison cylinder. And you you, you got to put it in the machine. And then you, you, you got to get the, 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 the gramophone up to your ears. So you're like, like the RCA dog. And you rub my legs to build up the static to make it go. <laughs> And let me tell you, those Andrews sisters, boy howdy, they knew how to drive a car. Okay, Joe. Okay, last one. Last one. Make Joe work. That's exactly what Rap Rock and I talked about in the beginning. What the fuck? Rap Rock, who does he mean? That's who exactly, is Rap Rock? That exactly, that's exactly what that Rap Rock ex- and I talked about. Which is ridiculous because obviously Rap Rock came of age during the Bush era. That's true. And Lakeland. First no. Bush era. When did when did um, uh, Judgment Night, the film, come out with Ice T and the gang? That was the beginning. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what like started 96. Rap Rock. Okay. Yes, Jeremy Piven, yeah. Dennis Leary. My favorite thing about Keep the movie going. is that the badass <laughs> gang leader of yeah. South Chicago is a forty-five-year-old Irish man, yeah, named Dennis Leary, who is very pissed that they don't serve coffee-flavored coffee at Starbucks anymore. Yeah, and I remember the whole thing was shot at night, so it was all night shoots, and I remember hearing from the, the old Hollywood grapevine that everybody on the whole cast and crew wanted to kill themselves because no one's supposed to be awake only at night for like two months in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's anyway. the context of that's what Rap Rock and I talked about. He's describing a summit with Felix Biederman. <laughs> They really would. Oh, yeah. because Felix is such a nice boy. Felix might be able to talk him out of running. Or actually, no, Felix would absolutely encourage him to continue running right to the last primary. Uh, I I guess I would say, uh, you say, 
Well, 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 what Rap Rock and I talked about is, is that uh, because of his uh, uh, approach to uh, 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 medical, medical care, uh, uh, Donald Trump is uh, uh, down with the sickness. You've got to say, though, uh, what he did successfully convince me of uh, in this one is that if it were down to him and Pete Buttigieg, I would absolutely travel with him to help him get the nomination. Absolutely! <laughs> we are all on the same page there, because yeah. he is an adorable, like, cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whereas Mayor Pete is just a blank, like a Nine blank little... cipher of pure power uh, uh, lust. Like, like, he is the Terminator. Yeah. And, and, and Joe Biden is like the horny uh, ukulele playing uh, cow in like an early Walt Disney cartoon. <laughs> uh, I, I want to judge our contest right now and say we all fail to make any of this make yeah, sense. No, it's not. They Absolutely. Can't be it's impossible. As is, as is right. Uh, I want to do two more things right now. One is, okay, you don't have to be ashamed. Who here is a fellow American citizen? <laughs> Okay, uh, one congratulations for uh, escaping from L.A. Uh, you can, you realize, help Bernie get elected if you vote in the Democrats abroad primary where not a lot of people vote in it, which means he can pick up, like, a lot of delegates. Yeah. Do that, please. Yeah, do it, because here's the thing. Most people, last time, he won overwhelmingly. I think he won the Democrats abroad caucus with a larger margin than anybody won any other caucus yeah. or primary. The reason being is that people who've ventured outside of America have experienced <laughs> health care outside of America, which means they love Bernie Sanders and want him to be the president. So keep that trend going. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing is... Uh, we've been on this stage for a while and we've given you a pretty damn good show. We all feel good about it. We could just end here, but I, I want to give you a, a, a little treat. I want to give you a little little cherry on top. I've <laughs> uh, been saving this one. We were going to do it before the intermission. We ran out of time. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you give us Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Woo! That was an order. Let's just get into it. Final reading series of the night. You, you, most of you have probably heard of this article. I've actually not read it. I've only heard it alluded to. Okay, In the Spectator by friend of the show, Toby Young. Friendless Toby Young. Uh, Matt can give, yeah. We yeah. talked about him last time we were here. Yes, the man who no one showed up to his bachelor party. And he decided... His abroad, his traveling bachelor party to like, Ibiza or something. And instead of taking a second to think, maybe I am a rancid piece of shit that no one would want to spend a minute around, he thought, no, actually, friendship is bullshit. That's not a real thing. No one, no one has friends. Are you kidding me? Okay, you're getting this. You're lucky. I mean, to- if I don't have friends, if uh, me, this disgusting career slug monster, doesn't have friends... Clearly, no other actual human being could have friends. Right here, baby. You're getting this. You're lucky. We're only giving it to you because you've been really a wonderful audience. Actually, thank you very much. Yeah, you guys have been great. So here it is. It's full of proper legends. An op ed from uh, future Prime Minister Toby Young, elected in um, 2027. (laughs) Headline. Prince Andrew should have married someone like my wife. <laughs> because she's 16? <laughs> okay, I haven't read it, but I'm just... I can't imagine <laughs> being the wife and reading that. It's like, 
So you're saying you want me to be in the crosshairs of the psychotic royal family who can murder the, I don't know, ex-wife of any of their scions at will? I mean, I don't know, maybe like in a Paris tunnel during a paparazzi paparazzi chase? Okay, oh yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, no, Prince Andrew, Prince Andrew is on fucking Little St. James in a fucking cigarette uh, just drinking children's blood, but there's no way the queen had Diana murdered. Okay. Okay, I, 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 I also... I also want to say, as an aside, why I'm okay with a Biden nomination... Of course, it's bad, yes. Anyone but Bernie winning is bad. But why I'm, like... I'd be, like, fine with it, just kind of euthanized by the concept, is because I know for a fact that Joe Biden is not a pedophile. Absolutely. Because he is too senile to be a pedophile. It's true. You can... Because he, he definitely gets invited to the uh, elite pedophile parties, but he's just too wackadoodle to, like, do any sex crimes. And he's, like, too... He doesn't have the... the he fucking, doesn't get innuendo, that's he doesn't, for sure. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. He's too literally doesn't have the, the mastery of language or the processing skills anymore. They're, like, so, like inviting him to a pizza party. Yeah, he, like, he yeah, they say, hey, hey, Joe, uh, we're going to have some cheese pizza later if you want to join us. And he goes, yeah, you know, when I was growing up, the Napoli family on the corner of the block, they, they, it was called the tomato pie back then. And yeah, we would go there on, a, on, a, on, a, on Sunday if, I, if I'd done the chores. My dad gave me, gave, gave me two bits. He'd say, go down and get a slice of that tomato pie. Yeah. Boy, howdy, that was pretty tasty. Yeah, I'd go down there. And they're, and they're like, okay, 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 well, Joe, why don't you play with the dogs? We'll be 500 feet into the Earth's core eating the brains of children. <laughs> anyway, reading. Right. Here we go. Toby Young. Like many people, I watched Prince Andrew's Newsnight meltdown with mounting disbelief. Why had he agreed to do it? It wasn't as if the general public was clamoring for an answer about what he was doing on the night. He'd been accused of having sex I, I with mean, a 17-year-old uh, no. victim of Jeffrey I, Epstein. I'm, a, I'm the general public, and I, <laughs> I absolutely am clamoring for an answer on all of these questions. Uh, clear, uh, yeah, yeah. But my feeling of smugness at having sidestepped that landmine was short-lived. The day after Prince Andrew's interview was broadcast, I got a call from Good Morning Britain. Did I fancy coming on to defend Prince Andrew in a debate? Instead of saying no, as any normal human being would, I started to discuss what I might say. If he believes himself to be innocent and has a good alibi, as he appears to have, it's kind of understandable that he would want to clear his name. Yes, it was probably unrehearsed, and he admitted the things he probably shouldn't have. Such like as the, being a pedophile. <laughs> such as the fact he stayed in Epstein's house in New York because it was, quote, convenient. But didn't that just make his denial more credible? <laughs> That's a good point. He'd been criticized for not speaking out about the allegation. Now he's being criticized for doing exactly that. Actually, that is not true. Y'all are the that... real pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true at all, because if he hadn't said anything, like the British public, as they always do, would just be like, meh. At this point, I pretty much talked myself into it. But before saying yes, wait a minute. I, he talked himself into defending well, he power. Any, he didn't have any television. friends to convince him otherwise. <laughs> but, but, but before saying yes, I glanced up at my wife, who was sitting opposite me. Carolyn was shaking her head furiously and running her finger back and forth across her throat. Can but I call trying you back to kill herself because she realized she was married to me? <laughs> <laughs> when I got hung up, I got the Force Nine Gale. Are you fucking insane? He's the most reviled man in Britain. But I feel a bit sorry for him. 
Pity the pedophile. He's being subjected to the two minutes hate, and I know what that's like. <laughs> Literally, no one is defending him apart from Fergie. You know, it's true. Like, it, nobody really has heard the other side of the Moore's murders. I called the booger bag and politely declined, but this exchange left me feeling even more sympathetic towards Andrew. If only he'd married someone level-headed and sensible like I did. This... So, wait a minute. So, he's basically saying, it is women's fault that I molested <laughs> underage women. Damn, that's good. He's good. I want this lawyer, honestly. <laughs> this wasn't the first time Caroline had saved my bacon. <laughs> When she learned that my career had been derailed because of sophomoric things I'd said on social media, she literally snatched the phone out of my hands and deleted the Twitter app. Admittedly, she did let me reinstall it about a week later, but only after I'd promised never to tweet after I had a glass of wine. And if, if I worry that an article I've written is too provocative, yeah, why would you? I run it past her first. It's like being married to a focus group. <laughs> Who says romance Damn. is dead? Buttigieg jerks off to that line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, this is going to be a whole new genre of pornography. Do not threaten him with a good time. (laughs) Oh my god, the idea, like Mayor Pete, like behind the two way mirror watching a focus group critique his form. Uh, (laughs) The the Dominic Rab vibe, the fucking veins start popping in his head. Thinking that you'll come across well on the telly, even when it's bleeding obvious to everyone else that you'll look like an idiot, is one of the drawbacks of having a large male ego. I remember asking Louis Thoreau how he managed to persuade people like Chris Eubank to let him follow them around with a camera crew, given the risk that he'll edit the footage to cast him in the worst possible light, and he said he always promises to show them the film before it's broadcast. But don't they end up asking you to take out all the embarrassing bits? No, he said. Apparently, they sit there watching themselves being exposed as complete fools and just nod and smile contentedly. At the end, when any normal person would be chasing Thoreau around the room with a flamethrower trying to incinerate any last vestige of footage, they turn to him and say, yeah, I'm happy with that. Incidentally, I've been asked to appear on numerous reality shows, including I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But for some reason, Carolyn always threatens to divorce me if I say yes. That's the end of the article. That's that how motherfucker it was on an entire season of Top Chef. That cocksucker ruined Top Chef for an entire season. How's he going to say he's never been on a reality show? That lying piece of shit. That's not the one criticism I'd have of that article, but I'm on. sorry. But Once Top again, Chef is like one is of the two like good the reality shows. This is a thing where I feel like you're focusing on your objections, which are highly specific. It's one of like three good reality shows and he his bald, disgusting, glistening head ruined an entire season while he sweatily and painfully tried to like manufacture Bourdain level owns of people's food being like, oh, oh, this is a bit pedestrian. I I, I should wear a a yellow striped vest while I'm eating it. And then nothing! He sucked! By the way, you know Great British Bake Off literally only exists because of the NHS, right? No, 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 bear with me here. So when Americans watch this show, we're like, okay, so when do they kill each other? But it creates a less competitive society where they're like, what if we all made cakes? Which is so foreign to us. It's true. 
The American version of the uh, Great Britain, the Great British, the Great American Bake Off. Multiple great, suicides. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you if your cake is judged worst, you have to like lower yourself into a tank of piranha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough content for you hogs. <laughs> Again, a little rowdy. Let's close up here. First off. Uh, maybe Matt and I are signing things out there. I don't know. But if, if you want our hideous signatures for some depressing reason, um, uh, stick around. Maybe the venue will allow this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we could be out in like 10, 15. Uh, number two, holy shit, big thank you to Chris Wade, who just flew in tonight on a red-eye flight. And he came in, and this afternoon, he edited the episode today and did a really damn good job cutting out all of our death threats, as he always does, and then putting together this package. Thank you, Chris Wade. Yeah, we are technically incompetent. And uh, thank you to... uh, I'm sorry, your name again, please? Rob. 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 Rob, Rob. Rob Rob. Rock Delaney. (laughs) All right, you guys. One last push. You could really do it. You could really do it. We're here for jazz. You damn well better should be there for jazz. <laughs> uh, and if it fails, you know, um, I don't know. Our refugee policy in America isn't great right now, but <laughs> we could use the help for Bernie. Is there anybody here who could get on, on that bus to Birmingham uh, Come on. Wednesday night? Anybody the here? Brummies? Come on. Yeah. That'd be amazing. That'd be All right. fucking amazing. Thank you. And, uh, you know... Again, I mean, this is the time to leave it all on the fucking table like we're leaving it on the table for a man who has literally had a heart attack and hates running for president and is doing it because we have nobody else. But, you know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be somewhere in the middle. But no matter what, I think just the past few years of jazz and this, this left movement, this organization that's brewed this hardcore socialist organization that's brewed uh, uh, here in this country has, I, I think it's created such momentum that no matter what, the fight will continue. And all that matters is if, like, if, even a losing fight is worth fighting. That's what's fucking matters. <laughs> that said, get physically to a marginal. Oh. Uh, yeah, damn will do it. Jesus. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are the legally required minimum of Chapo Trap House. Thank you. <laughs> to discuss your contribution. To the future of our nation's heart and soul Six o'clock, my place, what? Well, I arrived just after seven But you said it doesn't matter I understand your situation And your image Albums, could you sign this for my daughter? 
she's in hospital. Her name is Miriam. I'll get down to the gist. Do you want a line of this? Are you 